point eight to ten p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songezo on SAFM. at Investec, Investec for Business. Let's talk about solar solutions for businesses in the midst of these ongoing challenges. I suppose really the conversation is how can business really cushion the landing and what solutions are out there in the marketplace. So over to you, Itumelang. Thank you so much. Head of Sales at Investec for Business, a division of Investec Bank. Itumelang, good evening. Welcome to SAFM. Good evening, Songezo. Thank you for having me and good evening to your listeners. What are your business people telling you? What are your clients telling you? What are the numbers suggesting is happening with your clients in the light of this load shedding? Well, look, I think, you know, going into winter especially, the the biggest concerns is the fact that peak demand from a power and electricity perspective sort of comes up during winter. And, and the shortfall implies that we might have slightly worse load shedding than we've seen up to now. And I think for people who run businesses, you know, you don't have the luxury of sort of waiting it out. Um, and South African business people are incredibly resourceful. And I guess, as Simon says, we're kind of saying, how do we meet you halfway? How do we help you in financing some of these solutions to ensure that you're not left in a vulnerable position as the lights go up? Because, you know, the country can't stop operating. The pronouncement recently by the president to offer rebates of up to 60,000 rand for the homes, obviously this is something that you would have considered as well, given there are instances where businesses do operate from homes, more especially in this modern convention or this nascent convention following COVID anyway, of work from home. Has that meant anything to you in relation to this conversation for your business persons? Well, yes, but more than that, I think as banks, we're looking at it a little bit broader than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're trying to have to do at the moment is kind of say, if you don't come up with creative solutions that can help business people, you know, it puts it puts the entire economy and, and, you know, the job market at risk and all of that. So we're having to think about it. Obviously, that does help, the proclamation that was made. But we're thinking a little bit further than that and saying, what other solutions can we think about? And how do we support our business people, whether it's through slightly relaxed lending terms for alternative power to sort of connecting business people with people that can assist them in installing alternative power. Um, And, you know, it's not just solar. You know, some businesses that are quite heavy in terms of demand require generators, but that comes at the cost of diesel. Mm. So, we, you know, we're having to look at our business people and saying, how do we support? You know, you mentioned COVID. Many of the mid-sized corporates in South Africa have had to survive that and over and above that face a very low economic growth environment with the load shedding constraints. And so, you know, as back to kind of saying we want a partner. This is not just about lending and sort of trying to to find opportunities, but it's around partnering for a broader reason and for the bigger context. Well, what are your businesses really looking for in terms of solutions? And I suppose the inevitable conversation in that would be also the payments. I mean, businesses are stretched right now. There isn't much disposable to really spend. And I mean, the the economy in itself has to be considered as you engage these specific needs and requirements, particularly for the mid, mid-sized businesses to your smaller businesses. Well, so, you know, there's many alternatives out mm. there, some through purchasing alternative power hours, others there may be models for rental um, of solar panels and that kind of thing. And I think what's been interesting is watching how South African businesses have responded to this. So, you know, we've seen a massive sort of 
um, uptick in importers of the different alternative power solutions. Um, and we've seen our business people trying to find what works best for them, understanding that, you know, the cost of electricity is one that they have anyway. So, so it's not that it's a new cost line item that they have. It's one that they've had, and it's around saying, well, if Eskom's not going to produce the power, how else can I make sure I protect myself? Because the alternative is far worse than the increased cost of putting in alternative power. The alternative is one where you're having to shut down the doors. So, you know, businesses have understood that, and they've understood that they actually have to think about things slightly differently and get a little bit more innovative. Like? So what they're doing at the moment is guys are saying, well, where, where I can, I'm using any space I have for rooftop solar. That's the starting point. Secondly, is to the extent that that doesn't meet my energy requirements, they're looking at different ways of generating and they're approaching their banks. You know, so the smart business people are going directly to banks and going, this is my vulnerability. How can you work with me? You know, the worst thing you, the last thing you want to do is sort of opine over the complexities of this by yourself. So we're seeing a lot of our clients being quite forthright and saying, well, you know, this problem is a challenge for both of us. How do we work together? And what we've been doing is going, what sort of lending solutions can we put in place? Understanding cash flow constraints, mm. understanding the amount of security that you may have, understanding the current business operating constraints. How can we as a bank meet you somewhere? And, and thinking about smarter lending solutions, not just traditional banking. And I suppose this is a long-term project because I don't imagine, irrespective of what becomes of ESCOM or what becomes of load shedding, it is a genuine alternative to the typical electricity supply that hitherto has been enjoyed by businesses. So this conversation is not just for expediency's sake to mitigate load shedding, but it is also an investment into the long term as an alternative security of energy specifically. 100%. I mean, this is a sustainability conversation. And I don't mean that purely from a green energy perspective, Mm, mm, mm. but I mean that from a business moving its vulnerability from just purely relying on the natural De-risking, yeah. 100%. So, you know, I think generation is going to come out of the hands of purely just ESCOM, where distribution will be in in, in, in sort of ESCOM's hands. But generation, businesses have to think about it a lot more long-term and understand the different sort of regulatory environments around how that will work. So it's absolutely a long-term sort of play and it's not something that people are kind of going how do we make it through this here the next couple of years for load shedding to get sorted out but businesses are saying how do i actually become self-sufficient from a power generation perspective so as to ensure that i'm not vulnerable to any future disruptions i suppose this particular part of the conversation lends itself to what cape town is doing and perhaps there are particular conversations yourselves and your business or rather your clients in the western cape or the city of cape town and surrounding areas would be having in relation to the position that local government has taken in relation to this. 100%. And but the one thing that comes that, that sort of is highlighted through those kinds of conversations is the fact that this is a national issue. And so, you know, this isn't one of those things where you get to put your feet up and point fingers or complain. It's kind of saying, how do we find solutions between ourselves as banks, our business clients, and government? And how do we think about it in a way that is sustainable into the long term? Some examples, in, as you say, in the Western, Western Cape. Um, and, and I think the regulation has changed quite a bit over the last few years. But really what we're saying is, what are the solutions that we think can work? And I think business people, it is critical for business people to look at themselves and say, well, you know, how do we lobby? How do we leverage? How do we speak as one? Whether it's through different business organizations, but how do we speak as one to ensure that our voice is heard correctly? Okay, let's take a very short break, after which we return Mr. Idumeleng Merafi, Head of Sales at Investec for Business. 
division Investec is talking to us and talking about energy solutions for businesses who are their clients. And I suppose a conversation that we have to have on the other side of the break, Itumileng, is how we ensure that we support the small players and those who want to participate in, as you have said, the generation of electricity, but particularly looking at South Africa's socioeconomic conditions and perhaps even some of the transformation questions that are inherent to doing business in South Africa. That's certainly a conversation on the other side of the break. Talking about things that are yet to come, I have the honor and privilege on the other side of this conversation to talk to one of South Africa's greatest exports, Saul Dubow, Smuts Professor of Commonwealth History at Cambridge, in our international affairs feature later this evening, especially given the fact that on May 6th will be the coronation of Charles. We look at what is happening in the UK this weekend as whether this might not be again an invitation less than a year following the passing of his mother Elizabeth to engage the question of colonial imperialism and whether or not the monarchy itself is an institution worthy of its title and what South Africa from this event can yet engage at a diplomatic level, if not at a political level, as to what truly are the dues that are due to the people of Africa, especially South Africa, after the break. We are back. We are on SAFM. Itumileng Merafe, Head of Sales Investec for Business, a division at Investec Bank Limited, is on the line. We're talking about solar solutions for businesses amidst load-shedding challenges. And let's continue the conversation now. And before the break, Itumileng, I mentioned a something in relation to how do we support those businesses, not necessarily those who want solar or alternative energy supplies, but those who want to enter the marketplace for providing such services or such solutions, particularly those who will hedge their bets on the fact that whatever is happening at ESCOM right now is not when it ends going to end forever. Clearly, if the trajectory of the last 20 years is anything to go by, this remains a viable business option. What's Investec's position in relation to investing in generation, specifically solar generation and related alternatives? We've seen a proliferation of small businesses that are sort of coming into the import space of solar alternative power. Um, and, and, you know, that, that there's, there's been a massive uptick in that. So, you know, there's two parts to that. The first one is some of your big power plants where Investec has been a long-term investor in those power plants in terms of from a funding perspective and supporting businesses that are building your massive sort of power plants. But over and above that, what we've seen in recent times is, you know, people who are um, providing solutions to the retail markets, your small businesses, who are getting into the import game. Now, one of the things that we focus specifically on for those types of businesses is assisting them not just with the funding, but at the end-to-end exports and logistics of those solar um, sort of products. So it's ensuring that, you know, they understand all the technicalities involved in the logistics side of things, um, as well as in the financing behind that. Okay, now, the growth of businesses in the solar import space, how are they faring when it comes to meeting this demand? Because, I mean, imaginably, to an extent, I don't imagine the demand will be met by the supply. At the moment, there's massive demand. Um, and I think, you know, we, we are seeing some of some of our clients who are in that import business, um, you know, the, just the, the pace at which they're able to move stock. You know, they just can't get it in the country soon enough. And I think going into winter, we're going to see a further uptick in that. So really what it is for us is around making the appropriate type of funding available to them. But as I mentioned, ensuring that the logistics side of things is important. So it's not just about funding. It's ensuring that they understand the best best routes out of different areas, be it coming out of China or anywhere else in the world, mm. and understanding all the different technicalities. So, you know, those 
businesses are doing incredibly well. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, South African business people are incredibly resourceful. So, you know, as you said, when this market opportunity opened up, we just saw a lot of people going there to ensure that they can try and meet that demand. Now, China specifically is cashing in because all of the equipment to essentially run solar energy solutions, 70% or something ridiculous like that, the equipment or the material anyway, the physical infrastructure comes from China. What do you make of that? I mean, first of all, forget the monopoly for a moment here. The fact that so much is coming from outside the country. Is this not an opportunity now for us to not talk about imports, but to talk about manufacturing and perhaps investing and financing there? Absolutely. So, you know, there's, there's, I guess there's two parts to that. Firstly, it's just for the immediate need. China has an infrastructure. You know, they've, they've over a long period of time set themselves up as a factory of the world. Um, and, you know, this, this is stuff that they've been doing for quite a while. And given the amount of demand right now, I think there's a massive, up, you know, there's a massive demand to, to bring stuff in out of China. Where you're absolutely correct and where we agree is that as, as these businesses start doing better in understanding the different technologies and investing locally and some of the components and some of the thinking around how we put these things together, I think it becomes incredibly important. And I think those skills are transferable not just across um, you know, power generation. But if you think about the, what's going to happen with electric vehicles, you know, you're going to need battery capacity and battery producing capacity locally if you want to keep attracting um, motor manufacturers to stay in the country creating jobs. Because as you go into EVs and electrical vehicles, mm. you know, the battery manufacturers have to be local as well. So as we're bringing in this technology, it absolutely offers us an opportunity to upscale ourselves from a production perspective and ensure that, because this is, as you said, a long-term play. This isn't just about load shedding. These are technologies of the future. How can companies position themselves then to be able to secure the necessary support from Investec? What do they need to have as they ducks in a row in the proverbial sense to ensure that they don't miss out on this potential to partner with yourselves? Yeah, so one of the things we've always sort of, pr- what we pride ourselves on is, you know, and the phrase we like to use internally is backing the jockeys. You know, we, we like to partner with the right individuals. So, you know, what we've typically done historically is ensured that as companies come up with what seems like workable ideas um, and they've got a track record of execution, that's around saying, how can we help them ensure they get that right? So, you know, ours is, is, is a thinking of being intri- incredibly entrepreneurial in spirit and backing companies that, in their thinking, are looking ahead, are a little bit bold, and are willing to, to sort of do often stuff that may be slightly unconventional, but stuff that we believe has a sustainable angle to it. Okay, well, fantastic, my brother. Thank you so much for such a thoroughly engaging conversation and certainly wish you well. And come back and tell us if there are any things that are of national importance that you can pick up and that are worthy of sharing, more particularly when you talk about economic development. I think this is an incredible solution on your part, and I do wish you guys well. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and thank you to your listeners. Have a good night, Tito Mille. 2129, everybody. After the break, we are talking the coronation this weekend, but more broadly, a conversation on the Commonwealth, where South Africa features. Is there a need for the Commonwealth? Is there a need for the monarchy? Is there a need for our president to attend? Oftentimes, I think it's every second year or every year, the Commonwealth heads of governments meeting, the last of which was recently held in Rwanda for all of time the head of that commonwealth heads of government has been Elizabeth and very recently Charles has taken over where do South Africans lie in this conversation 
and what does the coronation itself this weekend mean for us as a society? What conversations did we not have when Elizabeth passed away that are now an opportunity for us to have because at least we are not dealing in the context of death, those conversations that are necessary. But now we're looking at the grandeur of colonialism and imperialism through this coronation where many are still subject to the British Empire. 2130 after the break, it's that conversation.